0: Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. Today we are discussing the season finale of Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4, Old Friends, New Planets. They
1: stuck the landing. They did. Season 3, I overall enjoyed, but it felt messy in places. Season 4 did not have that problem. Even caves, the closest it has to a standalone episode, I think is really necessary to drive the characters and to really pinpoint them in this time and this place and that specific cave.
0: Yes, and I think that we needed to be reminded that these characters are that close mm. while also being told that they could be close even in a wider sense yes like i think that that lesson is important particularly to tendy's arc and where she's going by the end of this absolutely and i'll plus so like i have to say so old friends new planets I had forgotten that the Ferengi had a Genesis device. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) As soon as it showed up again, I was like, oh, of course. Of course Mm. that was important. Obviously that was going to be the end game. And yet I paid zero attention to it because I was
1: caught up in everything else. Absolutely. Over the season, they have thrown so much at us that Chekhov's Genesis device was just one more (laughs) thing in an absolute <laughs> barrage of references and ideas and details yes
0: it was amazing it, i'm calling it here a master class in storycraft mm. because every single little piece of
1: everything was important in the end yes what impressed me was i expected a fake out where the lower deckers seemed to be mutinying to get in close to lucano or the Delta shift guys would really mutiny. And instead, they zigged where, where I expected them to zag, and we have the senior officers mutinying against Starfleet Command, which is, you know, a time-honored tradition. I was going to say, classic. <laughs> Are you allowed to be a Starfleet captain if you're not going to ignore orders once in a while? Nope. Mm. That's part of it all. <laughs> I do have to say all through the season, I have missed the bit where the lower deckers on each not boba fettered ship were turning like I got that they were plotting against their their senior officers or generally being disaffected. I missed the actual mutinies, so I need to go back and pay more attention, yeah,
0: I didn't see any mutinies either. it was it was more everyone was annoyed, mm. like, I definitely got that everyone was annoyed, but I didn't realize that there was anything organized, I guess, going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I can't tell if that's a plot hole or simply me not paying enough attention or yeah, not I... noticing the, the correct thing. Right. I think it might be connected to
0: the, I didn't, I forgot about the Genesis device. Mm. Mm. And also it's partly that we have been trained to look at Lower Decks differently from looking at, say, a Star Trek Picard where everything is, doesn't, like certainly like in the other seasons, the cold opens had nothing to do with anything. Like not even that episode. The cold opens were always like a little funny thing. Whereas in this season, the cold opens were those mutinies. And so it had a different flavor to it and i didn't figure that out right away and i was also like completely focused on my this is a menage and and they're not dying and yeah i was was focused on different things and i think that's okay that we are all allowed to like pay attention
1: to what we want to pay attention to in a story everything in lower decks is intentional because that's how animation works but they throw so much at you that It is completely legitimate that you're going to, you know, it's sleight of hand. We're focusing on the wrong thing and that's because, to an extent, that's what they want us to do.
0: Right, but they weren't tricking me.
1: They weren't saying, look
0: over here so that you don't notice this thing. They were saying, look at all these beautiful things. Mm. And it was up to me to decide which ones I was going to notice.
1: Yeah, all of Lower Decks is going to reward rewatching. I think, now that we have more context about Mariner's whole deal. But I think this season in particular will stand up very nicely. I think that's going to be my summer project. Watching all. That and bullying (laughs) my flatmate into watching Prodigy with me when it hits Netflix. She doesn't know about my plan, but we're going (laughs) to. But
0: now she will. (laughs) Mm, Hmm. I think that's a good plan. I mean, we have a break now. So, you know, it's funny because I have never been the, the person who watches more Star Trek in between Star Treks. No! I take a break. <laughs> but but we'll see. I, you know, I am interested. And eventually there's going to be a dearth of Star Trek for a really long time. So I will mm. definitely do it then. After Ad- Discovery yeah. season five.
1: Yeah. I have taken a break from my Voyager rewatch blocking project. I reached the end of season five and I was like, I need a rest. I need to watch as many Cary Grant movies as possible before the Jason Isaacs' Grant miniseries comes out. So that's what my evenings are uh, being dedicated to. And I, I, I think come Christmas, I will make a shift into watching Star Trek again.
0: I have good news for everyone who's worrying about my crime procedural.
1: I <laughs> yes. I,
0: I only have the two hour finale of <laughs> CSI <laughs> to, to watch, and then I will be done with CSI, although, I am considering going immediately on to CSI Vegas. Mm. Since that's only twenty episodes, and so it's like it's like another season,
1: and yeah, that that's like the Star Trek Picard of CSI, isn't it? It's the same, (laughs) exactly. And then you know, watching things
0: like Loki Mm. and the Morning Show,
1: both
0: (laughs) amazing,
1: (laughs) not amazing for everyone, but for me personally, amazing. I just deeply respect (laughs) the Morning Show's ongoing delusion that it is quality television. I never, <laughs> yes. never want them to find out the truth.
0: I Me mean, neither, it's perfect the way it is. <laughs> but both, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, having watched Loki and The Morning Show and Lower Decks this week, mm. they do share a, a, like a, a backbone kind of thing in that they're all playing with this idea of story moving out in lots of different ways mm. and then coming back in.
1: I, feel, I said to my flatmate that Loki has entered its Stephen Moffat era in that we're all stories in the end. And I think right. that's sort of the case with Lower Decks as well in that it is very, very self-consciously being a Star Trek and telling a Star yes. Trek story right down to the glimmer of hope that Nicholas Locarno was an asshole who chose not to be redeemed but his death has created a new planet where they can house refugees. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so,
0: like, I'm not even mad that Nuclear Carnot just blew up. Oh, like, no. Because he was awful. He was so awful. He was, and I'm, I don't believe anyone's irredeemable, so I'm not going to say irredeemable. And I loved that Mariner to the end was like, no, we have to save him. Mm. That was very important to me and very important to Mariner, but he was the worst. The worst. And he was also bad
1: at everything. Like his plan was stupid mm. and
0: yeah, and,
1: yeah. and fell apart almost immediately. I said last week that he has to be working for someone else because I don't see his end game and this plan seems fairly stupid. And in fact, <laughs> he has no end game and his plan is fairly stupid. Mm -hmm. And I think that fits for a guy who peaked at the academy and obviously his very first encounter with failure was devastating. Someone died and then he never got over it. Wesley and Seto, they both went, I can take this and be a stronger person and I can live my life in a way that makes up for the life we carelessly destroyed. And Locarno...
0: for that matter, so did Tom Paris.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Locarno only cared about himself. Well, I mean, I think that's who he is. Mm. He only
0: cares about himself. That's Mm. who he was in the first duty. That was who he was when he decided that it was important to break the rules and put on this
1: amazing show. Mm. Because he wanted to be remembered. Yeah, yeah. For it. And you see in the flashback, which I loved, uh, how manipulative he is and how adept he is at, you know, giving Wesley what he needs to hear and everything else. That was a really great flashback. Shannon Phil has not acted since 1995, and so I was so delighted to get to the credits and realise that was her. I feel like they make space for people to come back to Star Trek. Hmm i think this is true of the live action series as well like certainly i think that if they wanted to bring to back that would you know go to jolene blaylock and give her first refusal before going mm-hmm. to recast but shannon phil you know she's no one she was in half a dozen things in the 90s and then she retired and i assume she's having a fantastic life as a normal person now and yet they sought her out and went hey we've got this role for you instead of just going to what I assume is their army of voice actors that they can call on for anything. Don't if, lose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: I mean I'm still, I still don't believe in Vendorians.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of that and I was going to say that if this had been the animated series, she would have been voiced by Major Barrett. Because it is
0: animated, mm. there's no pressure on someone to be like, Well, I don't look like that. I don't act yeah, like that. I yeah. don't have that same mannerisms, Mm. like, that's not me anymore because that was 20 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) So there is this ability for them to bring people in and say, you know, we're going to work with you Mm. to make you comfortable. Yeah. And that is something that the live actions can't do just because they, they're a different medium.
1: Yeah, with animation, you don't have to do the Force Awakens thing of making Carrie Fisher lose a whole lot of weight very fast.
0: So baby Mariner, oh in the my flashback, gosh. was the cutest, the best. Just like I was saying that Nicola Crowner was always Nicola Craner. Mm. Beckett Mariner was always Beckett Mariner. Oh, yeah. But I love the nervous energy. Mm. I love that she was
1: a little bit like Boimler. <laughs> she was a little bit like Boimler, but she still has that chaotic confidence of Mariner now. She's just right. channeling it into very, very... You know, she's tendy. Tendi, yeah, I was you? gonna say,
0: and a little bit like Tendy. Mm. So so she's she's everybody. And that again, I think that that's intentional. Like you've been saying this all along that Mariner is a little bit older mm. than Puimler and Rutherford and Tendy, And so she is their peer, but she's also a mentor. Type. Yeah. So seeing her just a little bit younger than when we first meet them
1: mm.
0: is a way to see like that arc come around and to see that she has all of their baby Boimler and baby Mm. Tenti and baby Rutherfordness in her. And, you know, that's another reason why she connects to them so Mm. well.
1: Yeah. There were certainly points early in Lower Decks where I was like, Mariner is so cool. Why is she hanging out with these nerds? And then you realize Mm -hmm. now that the coolness is a front and she is just as much of a nerd as they are. She's absolutely a nerd. Mm. And she was trying to be disaffected on purpose. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was... Because of caring too much hurts. Yeah. And I think she genuinely has sincere problems with Starfleet. She served in the Dominion War and she saw Starfleet at their worst. But she still believes in the ideal, you know. I'm going to bring in other things I'm watching again. Yes. Are you excited? Trill. <laughs>
0: She's Ahsoka. Yes. Who saw the Jedi at their worst but still believed in the Jedi mm. and Mariner like I have here that Mariner says Starfleet writes yes because Locarno is saying you know you, you can't be believe in them they're, they're they're terrible and they do all these horrible things and you know that like you're always going on about it and uh, it was kind of like an audience insert almost at yeah, the time yeah. and she was like Yeah, but I don't do this. (laughs) Starfleet Starfleet is flawed. And I'm never going to say that Starfleet isn't flawed because it it always is. But that doesn't mean that it's bad. Mm. There's a difference between speaking truth to power and trying to like murder
1: power right right (laughs) that's what i was about to say (laughs) Locano is correct that mariner is someone who will always speak truth to power but he's not he only thinks he is he thinks he's this amazing rebel standing up against hierarchies and rules and organizations but like a lot of would-be anarchist leaders he just wants a cult of personality with himself as at the center right I loved the conceit that he was trying to
0: create something without a hierarchy. With <laughs> then himself it, at the it, top. It, it, it com- yeah, <laughs> but it also completely failed like almost immediately because you can't do that. That's mm-hmm. not how things work. There at least had to be everybody is in on the plan and like mm. he kept changing the plan. Yeah. <laughs> because it wasn't working out. And so he's like, now you have to do it this way. And they're like, excuse me, we're (laughs) supposed to have a meeting to discuss
1: this. It was very funny to me. And I think that goes back to his characterization in the first duty as someone who really seems like leadership material, but who is actually not and who should not be in charge of anything. Because if he really wanted to go out and make a difference in a non-hierarchical organization, he would have joined the Fenris Rangers or the Marquis. Instead, he's out you know. Yeah, that's also great when Owen who said the Maki would like to have a word.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Such a good line because that Mm -hmm. is also very true to like these types where Mm. they believe that they're the first one to ever come up with something and it's like look at all of human history.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, You, you are not doing anything new. You are not special, bro. I'm sorry. And (laughs) truly, you are not special, bro, is the Nick Locarno story.
0: Yes, exactly. And and I love that this is the end of it.
1: Yeah. I loved that there wasn't even a minute where Freeman and everyone else didn't think Mariner was on their side, because I was really afraid that we were going to have a rerun of last season's everyone thinks Mariner has turned against them plotline when she says this guy sucks
0: yeah. <laughs> don't, don't listen to him and freeman said not a girl and i like tears yeah. I, like, I couldn't handle it i was like this is the mother-daughter relationship that i have always wanted in mm-hmm. star trek and like discovery waved at it but they did not give it to me and, and finally, Lower Ducks is like, here you go. It was beautiful.
1: No, it was great. And I feel like Freeman and Mariner have really earned their relationship. They began in such a bad place and they've had ups and downs. But coming back from the very considerable down of the end of season three, Freeman is ride or die for Mariner. Yes,
0: They all are. And I think that partly
1: because
0: of the end of season
1: three, Mm -hmm. they are all
0: like, oops, we screwed up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We have to fix this by being completely fully on Mariner's side. And they have proven that that they are like in last episode, when they all got together to do like a Mariner intervention. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It is because they are so fully committed to making sure that she's comfortable and happy where she is in this space on the Cerritos in Starfleet.
1: Yeah, there's no suggestion of taking her off duty or, you know, sending her away for counselling or anything. It's just like, that won't help her, this will. The only thing I thought I feel was missing from Mariner's arc this season was some closure with Jennifer. I really didn't like the Mariner-Jennifer relationship, but it ended very suddenly as Jennifer turned against her along with everyone else last season. I read an interview with Mike McMahon, where he said basically he didn't really care for Jennifer and he was really surprised that people were invested in that relationship because he didn't think Jennifer was good for Mariner. And I agree with you, Mike, I completely agree. But at the same time, you do need to put a pin in that relationship so that the shippers can move on. If nothing else.
0: Yeah, they're really bad at this.
1: Like so bad.
0: Star Trek as a whole, Mm -hmm. every single one of them is just really terrible at
1: relationships. I don't even completely agree. I think that TOS through to the Berman era, they were really good at slow burn, UST, you know, you have the unspoken whatever it is between Spock and literally everyone, and, and you know, the Picard Crusher and the Riker Troy and all the relationships of Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Enterprise, I don't ship to Pole t- Trip, but I understand why people did because there was a real connection there. And in mm-hmm. modern Trek, it seems like those connections are secondary unless the romance can be a source of great angst and trauma, as in Spaple. I mean, I don't think those relationships
0: were primary in any That's, of the things you just said. Yeah, 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 no. <laughs> so... I, I don't, I think that maybe they've gotten worse, but I think that also society and media as a whole has gotten yeah. worse about yeah. this. Trippin' to Paul is a great example because they crashed and burned that for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone is still mad about it. They didn't do closure well with that. They certainly didn't do closure well with Beverly and Bernard. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I love it. But
1: it's not, not well crafted. No, and it's not closed in no, any way. No. I was actually thinking this week that I think season three of Picard has killed my inner Picard crusher shipper. I don't want them to get together anymore because it's just going to be badly written. It's up to us.
0: <laughs> but I think that... I was not invested in Mariner and Jennifer. I think they were only popular because they were queer,
1: mm.
0: and and I don't um, blame
1: people at all. For and I don't blame I don't blame you know, anyone for that. I'm grabbing just, a crumb just and how, making a feast of it,
0: but <laughs> um, that's how it comes off to me. Yeah, but like there was no romance in this season. Again, we were waving at sexual tension, <laughs> but we never had any romance, mm. and. That's okay, but also it's a trend and
1: I'm tired of it. (laughs) Right. Last night I watched North by Northwest, uh, the Hitchcock movie with Cary Grant and Eva Marie Saint, and I've never watched a Hitchcock movie before, so that's something ticked off. But I was struck by how this movie from 1959 that's rated PG, you know, made under the Hays Code, was so frank about sex Mm. and... It's problematic because hashtag 1959, but you would not get away with that much overt flirtation and sexuality in a similar thriller of 2023. It really reminded me of the first couple of Mission Impossible movies, which, again, had more sexuality than you would get away with in 2023. Yeah, because they cut that out. Yeah, yeah. Of, of movies. And I'm um, saying this as an asexual person, but sex is an important part of most people's lives, and it is a major facet of humanity, and it's shocking that it's being pushed away into this little box where you don't have to deal with it. Yeah, it's it's
0: interesting. I'm just going to say that I think that this is part of the reason that I'm so invested in Spock and Christine. yeah. You know, it's a mess, but mm. it's a great mess yeah. that I am fully on board with and that is being explicitly told. Yeah. And so, the you know, if you don't get that mm. <laughs> anywhere else, mm. you become focused on where it is.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that Michael and Book haven't attracted the same amount of intense shipping as Michael and Ash did in the first two seasons of Discovery. I think part of that is racism, that fandom – traditionally has a problem with black men and i think it's partially Mm. that michael and book went from a couple of episodes of ust to being a very established domestic lovey-dovey couple that was the issue yeah for me yeah because
0: that they could have done the established couple app in season three episode two Mm. like just say like they got together over the year and then they could have like discussed that as we like It could have been done better is is what I'm saying. And so it went from we've been flirting for a year and doing nothing to now we are living together yes planning and planning our future and it was like okay Mm -hmm. i guess that happened and then in season four they're like well couples can't be happy so now we have to like screw this up Mm. and they did it in a very like i just don't like season four of discovery (laughs) i don't like the central blocks of season four of discovery and so i yeah at least as it Mm. they messed up
1: book they messed up book and and i want him back I kind of disagree, but that's because I really like that they went, we are a stable, loving couple, and yet we have this sincere disagreement that's going to drive us apart. I don't think that's a story you see very often. But I just think in terms of what excites an audience, like Michael and Ash were nothing but tension, and Mm -hmm. Michael and Book are nothing but happy, and you need need some inbuilt tension, you know, that Mm -hmm. push and that pull, and... Yeah, only Christine and Spock are doing it. Okay, I, I think I think the writers think that Pike and Battelle are doing it. Well, they're wrong. <laughs>
0: Pike and Battelle are another one where they don't actually have a relationship. No, no. <laughs> There's nothing there. And, again, and they keep
1: telling us no. that we should care about it. And yet... I, I just... Mate, you had a whole song about how you can't stop lying to her. I'm not going to root for this relationship. It's pretty bad. My my anti Pikeness keeps coming out
0: accidentally in my like fiction and and in my discussions, and I'm like, ooh, but I'm being a little too hard on Pike. I have to pull that back. I don't mean to.
1: No, no. So no. Um, my thought watching the low finale was that Boimler has definitely modelled his captain voice on Pike, and also he's doing a better job of being a captain. I loved Boimler being captain.
0: Mm-hmm. I It was wholly unnecessary, <laughs> but, uh, but amazing and perfect. And, like, I'm sure there are other people in line between the bridge crew and Boimler, but also perfect. Yes. And because, you know, it, it does sort of sell the idea of lower decks mutineering. Yeah, yeah. So
1: so it's, it's all it's all good <laughs> i think that's why freeman did it and also because she knew that if Mariner was watching Mariner would see that something was yes. happening to save her but yes, also exactly freeman waited until boimler had been a lieutenant junior grade for months before she put him in charge of anything so you know right also a better and, captain
0: and, it, and it was a very specific instance where mm. he was the best person for the job yes there was
1: more Mark
0: Twain in each other, And I just need to reiterate, unnecessary for me, but it's okay because Captain Freeman said, "I why does this work? And I was like, yes, <laughs> Captain Freeman is me. I love her. I am so happy <laughs> with the Captain Freeman renaissance <laughs> because I remember going to New York Comic Con and I... I don't know if it was last year or the year before but I think it was last year because it was when Prodigy was on stage <laughs> and she was the moderator for the Prodigy panel and I was so excited <laughs> that she was the moderator for the Prodigy panel that I worked myself backstage so that I could tell her amazing and now Captain Freeman is like the best captain, and mm. <laughs> she's and just she's just, and and I like relate to her, and
1: she's my favorite. So she's just good at her free. job. Mm-hmm. Competence just goes a really long way. I will say, I will quietly cancel the order I placed for Mark Twain costumes for both of us for when we need to work out a disagreement. Uh, I'll just cancel that. I'm sorry.
0: I'll take a bonsai tree though. Okay, okay, <laughs> that would be okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Tendy's sacrifice. Oh, those Orions. Oh, those zany Orions. <laughs> I like that we're learning more about Orions. Mm. And I, it, you know, we are going to see lots more Orions. Yes. <laughs> because we yeah. have to go get Tendi. And we yeah. have to work with them to figure out
1: how to get Tendi back. Mm-hmm. So that's a good and most seasons have ended with one of the main characters separate separated from right. the rest so it's tendy's turn i can't remember when rutherford's was because i know he went through a whole section 31 arc but i can't remember if that was a season finale when that was
0: i don't i don't either it would make sense if it was season 2, two.
1: yeah so, when you do your rewatch... When I do my rewatch, let me I will back. But also, I would not be shocked if Rutherford has not had this arc because Rutherford is so often forgotten. However, mm-hmm. Tendi, she fights so hard to get into Starfleet and then has to go home. It's devastating. And it's all because um, Miglimo didn't duck. Yeah. I mean, it's his fault, really.
0: <laughs> Once again, Wiggy failure. Yep. Yep. Excuse me while I go plot my <laughs> Game of Thrones Orion <laughs> AU. <laughs> because... <laughs> I was, I was like, oh, I see what's happening here. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, no, yeah, that's really, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's it's... an accurate representation. And now I understand everything. Capitalist matriarchal Westeros. <laughs> like, I'm into it. But, you know, like, I can be angry with Erica, but also I can't be angry to Erica because she's Seska. So
1: I'll, I'll just <laughs> let it go. I <laughs> think... De- Erica <laughs> is doing the right thing for her family and they, it maybe even thinks she's doing the right thing for Tendi and it's just a matter of time until Tendi understands that. And I think that mm-hmm. is a solid basis for a family conflict. You know, how many yes. times does a family get into a dispute because one person or several people think they know what's right for another member of the family? And I'm looking forward to seeing that play out. I like that De Erica's Himbo husband was there to hand her things. Like the men on Orion, their job seems to be carrying the sedan chairs and basically being Janice Rand and handing over the clipboard for signatures.
0: <laughs> and we salute them. We thank them for their service. I Obviously, I'm sad that Tendi is off the ship, but
1: I am looking forward to Tendi coming back to the ship. Uh, yeah. That'll be a good story. It feels like, you know, the end of season five of Next Generation where Worf has resigned his commission and gone off to join the Klingons? Mm-hmm. It feels a bit like <laughs> that. But unlike yeah, right. <laughs> unlike Redemption Part 2, I'm confident that there will be a single female regular character in the conclusion. Redemption Part 2 does not have Deanna or Beverly. I'm just pointing that out. <laughs> Deep cut. Yeah, mm-hmm. I am mad about it. It's been many years and I'm still mad. Lursa I, and Bator so, and Sila don't make up for. I am very on board with saying
0: I don't like any of works <laughs> plot lines in all of The Next Generation. <laughs> Like I, I used to say, I didn't like Warp until Deep Space Nine. But I've watched some of Warp on Deep Space Nine, and I'm, <laughs> I'm revising to say I didn't like Warp
1: until Star Trek: Picard. <laughs> that said, I love Warp in Star Trek: Picard. <laughs> As a child, I was a very big fan of the Duras sisters. So despite not really understanding anything that was happening until much later, I really enjoyed the whole Klingon politics arc. And I think I enjoyed it in the same way that I enjoy Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon mm-hmm. in that that mm-hmm. kind of wanky fantasy politics is really fun to me.
0: Yeah, I can see I can see that. Mm-hmm. I just, like, mm-hmm. I was always angry with Worf. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, in similar ways to this sort of, like, why you like this, Worf. And it's not his fault. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> but yes. So, and I, yeah, I I love the Romulans. So I wanted more Sila, and Sila was TERRIBLY oh written. Oh god. Everything Sila was very, very bad, but so I bad. wanted her to be... Every time there was a Klingon <laughs> Klingon, I was like, no, mm. this should be a Romulan. <laughs> so that that's just my own personal bias from 30 years ago you know what the Romulans
1: would have said the same thing yeah exactly I'm just a Romulan art no I understand I understand <laughs> I don't believe for a minute that Tendi is permanently gone and will be permanently replaced by T'lin. but now I understand why T'lin slipped so seamlessly mm. into the group
0: yeah it was again
1: storycraft
0: yeah yeah, there was purpose behind all of this. Yeah, and I mean, I'm a little bit scared. I'm I'm not scared that Tendy's not going to come back, but I'm scared of the fandom reaction—not necessarily to this episode or even to the arc, but just to Tendy in general. Mm. Lynn is so very, very popular and has taken the mm. tendy spaced spot in Lower Decks now, mm. and I don't want that. I don't want people to be like, I don't actually care if Tendy comes back. Why are we spending so much time on Orion? This is stupid. Yeah, I fear. Yeah. <laughs> I proactively fear this. It is
1: hopefully a misplaced. I remember anxiety when but... Lower Decks first dropped, and there was an editing war on Memory Alpha because someone replaced the "This is what an Orion looks like" photo on the Orion page with tendy and then someone else replaced it with the original picture which was like a green woman with very large breasts barely covered by a piece of leather and they sort of went back and forth and back and forth because god forbid an orion woman be cute and not sexualized right (laughs) yes people have sort of come around on tendy like there's no longer this perception that she's the woke SJW Orion, but I mean she is because I love her. But
0: and also that is going to be the part that she's going to play. Yeah, she's going to be yeah. On Orion. So and again, Talin is just super popular. And nothing mm, against yeah. Talin. I also love Talin. But I I really feel like there is a good segment of the fandom that would be fine if, if we t- never saw Tendi yeah. again and yeah. and Talin just took over
1: that part. Yeah. I'm also surprised that there are more Mariner Tolin shippers than Tendi Tolin shippers. I don't think either are wrong. I think that there's, you know, a solid basis for both. I'm just surprised. Also, it would be hilarious if Tolin dated Jennifer.
0: (laughs) Is that something you can get behind? For comedy purposes... Or is Jennifer just a terrible person? (laughs) We don't want her to date anybody.
1: I think Jennifer is insensitive and self-absorbed and that made her the wrong person for Mariner but, you know, she might be okay with Talin, who is differently vulnerable mm, but Vulcan okay. is a motherfucker no, I'm, just, I'm just saying <laughs> Okay, okay yeah. This is the horniest and yet least committed crew in Starfleet, after yeah, all Yeah, right, exactly That's it's what I'm saying, is
0: that I, it's yeah, it could so, go anywhere. So anybody, anybody? like I, I want a romance. I'm good. <laughs> Not featuring Miglimo. <laughs> to put that out there before someone before someone's
1: quoted me and, said, <laughs> and forced me to accept my my fate. <laughs> Just for you, I am going to draw Miglimo and Mariner's Mark Twain themed wedding. No. <laughs> absolutely not I'm putting my foot down and I just want to say like, like not Mariner don't do that to my Beckett okay okay I will find <laughs> someone better for Miglimo to marry possibly Jennifer <laughs> <sighs> okay I will say I was surprised that we didn't get a confirmed Mariner ransom hookup because of the break comes at the beginning yeah yeah and, again, how does she know that he sleeps on his face like a baby? Well, again, I
0: think that this is another case of you and I paying attention to
1: things
0: <laughs> that not everybody pays attention to.
1: No, no. And... My friend Tara, who used to run the Lower Decks fic archive back in the early 2000s for fic about the Lower Deckers of Voyager... She has a whole theory that Beckett and Ransom were at the Academy together and he was just a weedy guy who never worked out. And now he's bulked up and they're both in very different places, but they used to be peers.
0: I'm fully into that. Yeah. That, that is a very much a story for me. Mm. I really like the possibilities of that ship. It is not a romance. But it is definitely a relationship I can get behind. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, And I think it would be just like really fun when you put Freeman in the mix, not Mm. in any sexual way. Oh god, no. Again, people don't take me out of context.
1: But the (laughs) the social awkwardness,
0: (laughs) yes, exactly. The social awkwardness Mm. would be super duper fun. Yeah, fully behind that. And also, just as I'm on my Freeman is the best kick. I did really like at the beginning when the terrible admiral was telling Beckett's parents that they weren't going to do anything to save her. And, oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> them's the brakes. And he like closed the channel and it was just the two of them. And they looked at each other like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> we have given our lives to Starfleet and this is how they're repaying us. And I really liked that moment.
1: Yeah. yeah, That was good. Yeah. Once again, are you even (laughs) a real captain if you haven't disobeyed orders at some point? My final note, and I have been meaning to say this since literally those old scientists, but Mm -hmm. when Beckett says he sleeps on his face like a baby... I think that is the most utopian thing in Star Trek because it means that sudden infant death syndrome has been solved and babies can safely be put to sleep on their stomach. That's so sweet. Mm -hmm. Also, I have a lot of friends with young babies right now. That's how I know this. That's how you know about these I,
0: My youngest brother, when he was an infant, turned blue and had to go to the hospital and was only saved because my other brother heard him struggling to breathe
1: oh gosh
0: and um, intervened um, so like it's a real thing and i i would i definitely welcome the world where that is something that parents don't have to worry about absolutely there's some kind of magic crib <laughs> that uh that monitors these things i'm gonna suggest
1: <laughs> anti-gravity crib crib yeah. Because, like, if the baby is just floating, then it can't suffocate on anything. Because it's just like, Woo, I'm a baby. <laughs> I, I also don't know very much about babies. <laughs> That's how they go, right?
0: And for, just for everyone uh, listening out there, she just did a Vendorian impression and called it a baby.
1: <laughs> Look, for some reason, no one asked me to babysit. I don't know Why? Thank you for listening to AntimatterPod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.com, including links to our social media, credits for our theme music, and transcripts of our episodes. We are not available for babysitting. You can follow us on Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, and Blue Sky, all at AntimatterPod, and on Mastodon at antimatterpod at 10forward.social. If you like us, leave a review wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. Or tell your friends what a great podcast we are that always stays on topic. We're going to take a brief hiatus, but you can look forward to our thoughts on The First Duty and Lower Decks, Space Seed, and How the 90s Frames Janeway. We'll be back... probably in December... When does your semester finish? December. December. We'll be back December no. or in the new year. We'll see. Okay. <laughs>